Hey, what's hey, what's going on in Stokely from Sausanole? Oh, I'm gonna get cut off because I'm supposed to get a call back and it's gonna cut off when I record, but the other day I recorded a, a episode called Ghetto Life. And I was just, you know, I wasn't really talking about anything regarding ghetto life. I just concluded with that Rick James song because I really like the song and my son likes the song. You know, he likes good music. He recognizes good music immediately. He's very musical. So the um, in the song, and I'm going to sing some of it, he says, When I was a young boy growing up in the ghetto, Hanging out on corners, singing with the fellas, looking for some cute chicks, trying to buy some, trying to find some big fun, looking for some trouble from anyone who'd give me some. I was crazy in the ghetto, didn't know what my life could be in the ghetto, and I was oh so lazy. Something had a spell on me. So, basically, you know, he was caught up in the culture of, you know, just hanging out, singing with his friends, hanging out with his friends, um, you know, getting in the fight, starting beef. He's from, Rick James is from Buffalo, New York, which is a very poor neighborhood, a very cold place. Um... I worked with a guy who was going to Buffalo University and instead of staying in the dorm rooms, he just bought a house. He just bought the house and lived in it. I think he paid 30 grand for the house. This was way back in the days. Well, not way back in the days. This was like early 2000s. So it wasn't that long ago. This was early 2000s. So, um, um, you know, the, the, the housing is so cheap because the the economy there and the environment is so impoverished and decrepit. So what's going on is that what's going on is that um so so Rick James is just giving you the culture of what's going on. You know, he's like hanging out whatever. That's not indicative of every person who is a resident of the the poor areas it's not at all but you know he's a musician so he's probably somebody that didn't even want to work anyway <laughs> you don't like that not many people know how to play music anyway not enough not many people know have the brains and the skill to to be a musician anyway you know what i mean um well not the brains but you know what i mean like the tenacity to to really learn it like could i learn an instrument right now probably not I would not be willing. I would not be willing to do that right now. Anyhow, so he's multi-talented. He plays instruments and stuff. He can sing. Singing is not really, I don't think it's like an exceptional skill, but playing an instrument is definitely exceptional. But the, um, so he's hanging out on the corner, singing to the fellas, looking for girls. It's just typical, typical, like, you know, like there's something that the Fonz would do, something like in Greece. Just like in Greece, any other... Um, up and coming, come of age, type of teenager, whatever. You know what I mean. So his story of the ghetto is not really necessarily unique. The guys, the the, the guys that are in Greece, the caricatures that they're playing in Greece, 
are living the same lifestyle basically or Saturday night fever or whatever the case may be. They're just trying to hang out, trying to go out every weekend or whatever. You know, maybe they, maybe that's where that culture was pioneered because we didn't have that much disposable income and leisure to be hanging out all the time. But maybe it was just different because people had their bars. Bars, they always existed anyway. Um, so then in the second um, second verse, he's like, um, uh, what do you say? He uh, said, um, growing up in the ghetto, something like kind of free and kind of free and fancy met this girl something something said her name was nancy pigtails to her shoulders couldn't have been much older taught me what i had to know to make a girl not want to go kinky in the ghetto she laid the pigtails down on me in the ghetto and I was oh so sneaky. Had to know what love could be. So he's talking about his encounters with coitus, which is another coming of age, typical experience, not unique to the black experience, not unique to a ghetto experience, not unique to a white suburban um, opulent or whatever anybody's experience it's not really unique but I was just having a discussion on the podcast today where I said you know where I saw that most of the most the religions slash cultures where the people make more income they um, <clears throat> delay reproduction until they have their careers. So that doesn't mean that they're not engaging in coitus before they have their, but it's it's highly um, frowned upon, significantly maybe more frowned upon than among uh, Christian slash African American, you know, synonymous uh, cultures, um, which is not synonymous. Christianity is not necessarily synonymous with um, blackness in Africa, though, because when I was looking at the Pew Research data, it's showing that um, most polygamists are in South Saharan Africa. They're either um, of a of a of a, um, a tribal type religion or they are um, Muslim, but they only make up about six percent of those households in sub-Saharan Africa. In northern parts of Africa, it's only 1% that are polygamous. So, you know, it's not even that significant in the areas that people like to think it's significant. It's only 6% of the population. So, you know, that's the top 6%. You know what I mean? Those are the guys that are making all the money or whatever, or they are chief or chieftain or whatever the case may be. Anyhow, so Rick James, you know, that part isn't really unique to the ghetto, but it's a part that definitely causes a lot of problems because there's a lot of um, uh, children that don't grow up in two-parent households. And, 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 and per the Pew Research, Christians are the most likely not to have a two-parent household. Um, so anyhow, 
you know, I'm not demonizing Christianity. You know, I like Christianity. I'm, I, you would say that I, I'm, I am a Christian for the most part. So, you know, I'm just showing that there's a little more discipline mm, that's exhibited in Eastern cultures and uh, Middle Eastern cultures and the associated religions more so than the Western culture, which is more leaning towards Christianity slash Catholicism. Um, it's a little more rebellious, you know what I mean? Because you know that Martin Luther, the first Martin Luther, um, uh, rebelled against the Catholic faith. So, you know, all the Protestant religions are basically rebels that broke off from, you know, the Catholic Church. Anyhow, so it got a rebellious nature to it. Like America has a rebellious nature to it, you know. Of, you know, We're all about rebellion and breaking free and all this stuff, do whatever you want, stuff like that. So it comes with certain consequences, though, where there's a lack of discipline. And as a result, you know, whatever. So now you add on that rebelliousness and the lack of discipline and you add some PTSD to that, some self-medication to that, some trauma to that then what are you going to get? You're going to get like a very bad situation. Anyhow, so in the third verse, he goes, I knew all along my game was strong, but I was wrong at times. I knew I had to play, get myself away. Do you think I was man enough? Do you think I was strong enough? Do you think I was smart enough? Do you think I won't? <laughs> did you think I <laughs> did you think I want to get out <laughs> of the ghetto life? So he asks, he asks a rhetorical question. Uh, I guess it's a rhetorical question, or maybe he asks he asks an open-ended question. It's not rhetorical. It's the opposite would be an open-ended question, right? So he asks a question, an open-ended question. Do you think I was smart enough? Do you think I was man enough? Do you think I was strong enough? So you know that the answer was yes, yes, yes to all of those. He had the brains. He had the physicality. He had the smarts. And then he closes with the question, do you think that I want to get out? And he screams that part. Do you think that I want to get out of the ghetto life? Now, that's a hard question right there. Um, based on, you know, some, you know, and, and, and the thing about it is, like I said, I'm always wondering why people suffer and how we can avoid people suffering, you know, because I feel blessed and lucky and fortunate. And why do people suffer? Now, the quote-unquote ghetto culture that we see now is a result of marketing of rap music and hip-hop and all that, whatever. Now, ghetto, ghetto, the word ghetto probably originates from the Warsaw ghettos. That's where that word came from. It came from Judaism. Jewish people were relegated to some of the most impoverished parts of Germany way back in the days, way back in the whatever. Warsaw ghetto. Ghetto came from that word. That's, that's from back in the days. So, you know, because people lived in cities all the time but you know you got the skid roads you got the the part where the poor people live but a ghetto is probably more just a cohesive demographic a cast 
that's relegated to this area, this impoverished area, and they can't come up out of that caste. Now, a ghetto, I would think, would more imply uh, more, uh, I don't know, uh, xenophobic, a more uh, racist, a more segregation-based, uh, impoverished caste, you know? Because in the ghetto, in the Warsaw ghetto or whatever, and I'm just speaking off the cuff. I don't know what I'm talking about. But in the Warsaw Ghetto, it's just Jewish people living in the ghetto. You know what I mean? It's not Aryans living in the ghetto. It's Jewish people have to be have to live in the ghetto. So in the ghetto, now when you think about the ghetto, you think about African Americans when you hear that word now. You know, but it extended from that. And people were relegated to the ghetto because those areas were defunded, segregated and probably the only areas that they were allowed to exist and function in because the reason why we have equal opportunity housing uh, mentioned when you when you start purchasing real estate or doing the research on real estate is because at one point people used to discriminate to keep certain demographics out so you know when, when we talk about restitution and affirmative action and all these things uh, it's stemming from um, not just government policies, but active efforts by businesses to keep certain demographics out. Now, that's probably an extension of the residents want them not to come in also, which is, in my opinion, understandable. But let's have things, if we're going to make things separate, then let's make everyone equal under the law and make everybody separate um, on the, by their own will. But that's not how the law is carried out on its face. The law is discriminatory and the policies are discriminatory and the funding is discriminatory and the public services are discriminatory and the, the, the judicial system is discriminatory. So it's not separate and equal, it's separate and good on one side and messed up on the other side. So, of course, people of my demographic, I want to want to escape that cesspool that's been created by politicians, corporations, and individuals. Because all these things are made up by individuals. So if a policy person said, hey, listen, we're going to run a road, we're going to run a highway right past your town and we're not going to put an exit there, which they did in Ferguson and other places. Or we're gonna we're gonna raise your whole town, your whole ghetto, and we're gonna build some high-rise buildings, kick all y'all out. We're gonna use eminent domain and remove all of you. We're going to um, you know, cut your funding and send the funding over there to do something else for somebody else. We're gonna take your tax dollars and we're gonna do something for somebody else. You're paying taxes like everybody else, but we're not gonna provide you the services. Um, commiserate with your taxes so anyhow <laughs> pull yourself up by the bootstraps but I'm gonna steal your shoes so what the you know how does that work anyhow I'm getting a little too political but um, you know generational wealth is mostly based on real estate 
So if you only have equal opportunity lending and equal housing starting in 1960, which is only 60 years ago, that means that your parents, not even your grandparents, that means your parents, well, yeah, that means your parents, well, your grandparents probably was an adult in the 60s. Yeah, I mean, your grandparents did not, were not able to avail themselves of equal opportunity housing or equal opportunity lending. That means they didn't have anything to hand down to your parents. And your parents don't got nothing down, handed down to you. Not, not three generations worth. And even 60 years is only two generations. So it's kind of spans. Yeah. So, you know, anyhow. There's, 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 there's times when people are making excuses and impractical and uh, unscientific and uh, just hyperbole complaints about discrimination. But let's look at the statistics. Let's look at the facts. Let's look at the legislation. Let's look at the, um, let's look at the, what's on paper. Let's not go on the feelings. Let's go on the paper. Let's look at the paper. Let's see. You know, and this is why they, I guess, integrated the schools because they said it's not separate and equal. They're separate, yeah, but they're not equal. This one over here is not getting funded, and that one is getting funding. So let the kids choose where they're going to go to school. They're going to want to go to the school that's getting funded. Now, <laughs> and the funky thing is, let me, while we're on the topic of discrimination, New York City is one of the most segregated school systems in America. So, you know, we misconstrue uh, and, and, and demonize southern states um, and, 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 and interpret them as being um, discriminatory and segregated. When New York City has the most segregated school system where by default you have to go to your zone school. That means you have to go to the school within your tax area, within your, um, your district, within your congressional district or whatever. You're limited to that. I mean, unless you actively uh, choose to go to another school, you're relegated by default to um, go to your zone school. So as a result, you don't get to go to the Glendales. You don't get to go to the Riverdales. You don't get to go to uh, whatever other enclave uh, where, you know, any other rich enclave um neighborhood, Bellrose, you know, whatever. Um, but anyhow, so did he want to get out of the ghetto? I don't know, because in the other part, the last part of the song where he's just riffing, where he doesn't, he doesn't really have a new verse. He just starts riffing, I guess. But he says, where's the place you're from? And then he says, where's the place you like to funk at the same time? So he enjoys the ghetto. So he enjoys the ghetto. He enjoys it. It's a lot of fun. And everything that he told you about the ghetto was fun. He was singing with his friends. Um, he was looking for women. He was enjoying coitus. Um, so the ghetto, to him, is a place of nostalgia, a place of a place of a lot of good memories. You know, he got into some fights, but he kind of he kind of glorified those. He kind of enjoyed it. 
He was looking for trouble, looking for it. You know? Like the Fonz or whatever the characters from Greece are called, you know, they're looking for fights, they're gangs. They joined, they, they made their little gangs or the the sharks and the jets. The sharks and the jets. What's the difference between the sharks and the jets and the bloods and the crips? It's just an evolution of the similar thing. One grew out of it, though. Eventually, these people, these immigrants, the Italian and the Irish or whatever immigrants, realized that, listen, man, we're not being up upwardly mobile by being in these little gangs. We got to outgrow this. I mean, you still have, like, you know, Hell's Angels and stuff like that, but you have the Aryan Nation and the Klan and all these other things, but they're not really gangs. They're more... Well, yeah, they're not really gangs. They're more like hobby. You know, it's like just a hobby for the most part. I mean, some of them are very dangerous people that are really terrible people. But for the most part, they're not really, um, they're old guys. They're old guys just hanging out and they have, they have a shared hate or a shared anger or whatever the case may be. And then that's the, that's the team. Anyhow, I'm going off on tangent, but hey, man, listen. Listen to that song by Rick James, Ghetto Life. Um, um, I'm still wondering whether he wanted to get out or not. But he's not here anymore to answer that question. Did he want to get out? He wanted to get out. He wanted to get out, but he still, you know, he still had some fond memories of it. You know, he wanted to get out. He wanted to get out. That's why he screamed. Do you think that I want to get out? Of the ghetto life. Yeah, he wanted to get out. He wanted to get out. So we got to focus on upward mobility. How are we going to figure our way out of this? Are we going to mimic the other successful groups? And I'm saying we right now, but everybody listens to this. People in Germany, people in Canada, people in India listen to this. But like I said, no matter if you're an immigrant or you're a domestic American or whatever, you know, a naturalized, whatever. Um, every community is the same for the most part. Um, but not everybody's going to make it. But the people that's going to make it, you got to make the sacrifices. You have to discard that mentality like when he wanted to go fight all the time. You know, like when he wanted to just hang out on the corner and not be productive. You know, you got to discard those, you know. Um, but anyhow, you know, people don't think that they're living unless they're doing certain stuff. And I, I, I'm, I'm not above it either. 